I'll be reading Psalm 21. It is on page 553 in the Blue Church Bibles. Psalm 21. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. See, we've recovered. Thank you for those who fixed our computer communication problem. We're looking at the Bible now, which is great because it's on a bit of paper in front of you. I hope it's on a bit of paper in front of you. This is God's word to you today. And the only way you'll know if what I'm saying comes from it is if it's on a bit of paper in front of you or on your app, on your phone or something like that. Otherwise, you're just trusting me. And can I tell you now, if you ask my wife, that's a foolish thing to do. So why not get a Bible on your knee? And uh, if you're here and uh, you're a relatively young person, fusion age, even JF age, I've produced this sheet. And uh, this sheet can bring Haribo into your life. Yeah. So if you haven't got one, I mean, you can do this if you're an adult if you want. If you haven't got one and you'd like one, Bethan's got some. Bethan, where are you, my dear? She's got some there. This sheet brings Haribo into your life. You might want to grab that. Okay? So adults, get a Bible. Don't trust me. Children, get a sheet. It brings Haribo into your life. Let me pray as we uh, come uh, together. It's amazing. One of those is for Rob, isn't it? I said the word Haribo, and he wants one. (laughs) Let me pray as we come to the Bible. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you're the speaking God, and you speak to us for your Son, the Lord Jesus. In this great song, please teach us how wonderful Jesus is. Amen. Amen. Now, do you ever feel life's a bit of a battle? I mean, the great thing about the holidays, if you're a parent, is you're no longer doing the school battle than what it's like in your house First thing, school morning, a little bit tense now, from time to time, you know, get the breakfast down you, get out the door, where's your school reading folder, where's your drink bottle? That's, that's not happening in the holidays. But then you have the six-week entertainment problem. Maybe, I mean, I saw the young people, children here, you're a joy for your parents during the holidays, you never say, oh, I'm bored. And they never say, well, why not try starting next term's homework then? Life can feel a bit of a battle. We sort of want to be kind and nice. We we want to have fun. Sometimes during the holidays, I think, oh, what I'll do is I'll organize a period of fun. I put a lot of effort into it. Maybe even you take your family to the other side of the world for a special time of fun. But you find that going on holiday doesn't mean that everyone's nice to everyone else. 
Funnily enough, after a five-hour flight, people are even less nice than they were before. We try and make life good, we try and make it easy, but life can feel, quite a lot of the time, like a battle. A battle to be the people we want, a battle to behave in the way we want. And there's one battle that we're all losing in life. That's every day we're getting a little bit older. Every day we're a day closer to the day when we will die. That's inevitable. That's true of us all. We will all go to bed tonight one day closer to the day we will die compared to when we all got up. That's just true of us. However old you are, however healthy you are. Sometimes we have those minor victories. You know, the op goes well. We join the gym. A few pans come off. But in general, we're all losing that battle. Now, a lot of people go through life and they feel they have to battle on their own. They've got no one to help them. It's just them. They've got to try and fight off getting older and they've got to try and be as nice and as good a person as they can be. That's probably most people in the world. And that's very sad because actually there is a God who loves us and tells us that he's fought the battles for us. There is a God in the Lord Jesus, more than that, who tells us that we are on the winning side if we trust in him. And we meet him in Psalm 21. Now, Psalm 21 is written by King David. He was king over God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament, about a thousand years before Jesus. And he wrote these four songs we're looking at over the next four weeks. They're Psalms, songs which talk about his relationship with God. But as in the whole Bible, these songs also point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of God's people, the king of kings. And so as David sings, he actually shows us also what Jesus is like. So, so we've got two things to see this morning, and this is the big one, the most important one, that he is the conquering king, the conquering king. Look how David starts his song. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. David's been fighting some battles. Oh, we don't know exactly when he wrote this song, but things are going pretty well, aren't they? It could be that he's looking back on the way that the Lord enabled him to de defeat Goliath. Do you remember Goliath? The Philistine giant. You know, David was only a little lad. Goliath was nine feet tall, enormous. All the bravest warriors in Israel hid when Goliath came out. But, but not David. He went out and with a small pebble in his sling, hit him between the forehead. Goliath fell to the ground. David ran up, picked up Goliath's own sword, and cut his head off. It's a nice detail I like to put in. Most children's Bibles leave it out, but I find that if I put it in, my kids sleep better. That's what the Bible says. He cut his head off. He won a great victory over Goliath. He could be remembering how he captured Jerusalem from the Jebusites. He could remember how he won battles against the Amalekites and the Philistines and the Moabites or the Arameans or the Edomites or the Ammonites or the Insectbites. He won battles against absolutely everyone. Just checking you're paying attention. He was the conquering king. Now, if I was that successful at my job, you know, then you could be betting I'd be singing my praises. I mean, I do it subtly, of course. It'd be something like this. I'd, I'd walk up to you and say, um, have you, uh, you ever fought a giant? Oh, no, no, no one. No, yeah, no, actually, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was only, only about three foot two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, with a pebble, you know. I know, incredible. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I'd be singing my praises so you knew how great I was. 
But look at what David rejoices over in verse 1 again. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. Lord, how great is his joy in the victories you give. That's been David's theme tune in his life. He said to Goliath, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and, 1 Samuel 17, 46, cut your head off. David knows he depends on the Lord. That name, the Lord, comes again in verse 7. Look at what David says down in verse 7 of his song. For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Did you see what the Lord is like? Do you see why David can trust in him? Because he knows that the Lord his God has unfailing love for him. Whatever he does, however much he fails God, God will never fail him. He will always love him. Therefore, whatever he faces in life, even a giant like Goliath, he's not going to be shaken. And as he looks back on his life in this song, he sees the result of the Lord's unfailing love. Now look what he's seen in in verse 2, talking about the king. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. He's seen his prayers answered. You see, when you, you trust the Lord, well, his heart's desire becomes your heart's desire. You, you trust that he knows what's best for you. So when you pray, you ask him what he says in his word, and you'll always get that. So, so let me give you an example. If, if your six-year-old comes in from the garden this summer and says, uh, Mom, please could I have a smallish machete because we're playing jungles in the garden, you are unlikely to grant them the request of their lips. But, but if your six-year-old says, Oh, Mum, uh, I would like to be neater at school. Uh, please could I have a new pencil sharpener? You will shower abundant stationery upon them in blessing, rejoicing at the request of their lips. Well, well David, his heart was for the Lord, so whatever he asked, he always got it, verse 2. And look what had happened because of David's requests. Verse 3, You came to greet him with rich blessings, and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. It wasn't that David had sought out God. No, God came to get David. He sent the prophet Samuel to search him out when he was just a little boy, the the youngest of his father's seven sons. And the Lord gave him the kingdom. He he made him king. That's what David knows. He put the crown on his head. In fact, the Lord gave him life itself. Look at verse 4. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. It's as though David is saying, you know, I asked if I could live to a good old age and you promised me I won't die. It's more than just sorting your life out day to day. It's something bigger, something better that God's promised him. A life that never ends. Verse 5 tells us that all David's victories came from the Lord. People sang David's praise. People said, what a great warrior David is. People said, you're amazing in battle. But he says, no, no, it's not me. It's God that's done all that. Verse 6 might even be the best thing. Verse 6, surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. To receive blessing from God is to receive good things. The best things. 
And the best thing is being with God in his loving presence, knowing the joy of God's perfect love forever. It literally says in this verse, you made him glad with the joy of being before your face. Maybe, maybe you know that feeling when, you know, if you're a young person here, when your parents have given you undivided attention. Maybe if you're a bit younger, when they, they've read you your favorite book for hours on end. Or, or maybe they've taken you on a special trip just for you, and, and they've just been thinking about you. Or maybe when you, you have a day with your best friend, and it's just a day when nothing goes wrong, and, and you feel joy because you're in their presence all the time. Or maybe for us who are a bit older, maybe you've been with someone you love. Maybe you've lain in their arms, and you've laughed, and you've relaxed, and you felt that deep peace, joy in presence, because you know you're safe and loved. Well, that's just a tiny taste of what David says it's like to be with the Lord. You see, even if you've never experienced human love like that, if your life has, has only been littered with, with the fear and the pain that, that people often destroy relationships with, the great news is there is a Lord who has unfailing love for you, who says, I'll always be with you, and in my presence you'll find deep joy forever. That's what David found. Now, if you know your Bible a little bit, and, and maybe some of the, the children are thinking this, they're thinking, well, well, David, he was a good king, but that wasn't actually what went on in all of his life. I mean, I also remember David being afraid, and I remember David hiding, and I remember David disobeying God. Did you remember the story when he went off with, a, with another man's wife and took him for his own? Do you remember how he had that woman's husband, Uriah, killed deliberately? That David isn't a king who trusts the Lord all the time. And actually, if you read the Bible, you'll see David dies. He doesn't live forever and ever and ever. So who is the king who can speak these words? Well, of course, the only true king who can speak the words David sings is King Jesus. He is God's true conquering king. He, he's the one that David points us to. You see, Jesus, he always got what his father in heaven asked because he always wanted to do what God his father wanted. Jesus is the one who God declared king. He, he showed in his life that he ruled creation. He, he calmed storms and he healed sicknesses. And now he rules over the whole of his creation from heaven. Jesus is the one who does live forever and ever, like verse 4, because God raised him from the dead, never to die again. Jesus is the one who's won, who has won the greatest victories. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he won a victory against sin. He, he took all our guilt and shame for the way we treat God and the way we treat each other the way that we've been cruel, where we should be kind, the way where we've been unloving, where we should have loved. When he was lifted up on the cross, the Bible tells us he defeated Satan, the devil, because we can no longer be accused of being guilty before God. The devil's got no power over us. He defeated death itself because he died our death for us. So as the memory verse taught us, if we believe in him, we will never die but can live forever. 
He's the one, Jesus, who enjoys unending blessings now because he sits at his Father's right hand and he pours those blessings out upon us through his Holy Spirit. And he is the one who shows us the Lord's unfailing love because he's willing to die for us even though we neither loved him nor accepted him. Now, all that Jesus stuff might be quite new to you this morning. A lot of what I've just said, very quickly, might frankly seem a little bit weird. But do you see this? It's wonderful if it's true. You might not understand how Jesus is the best king ever, but, but can you see that if there is a king from God who offers you a perfect relationship with a father in heaven forever, when then being in his kingdom is the best thing for anyone and everyone. But because the Bible who says those who trust in Jesus, those who commit their lives to him, they are bound to him. They're in him. So everything that Jesus has, we have. How can I illustrate it? Let me explain it to you like this. Say you save up for that holiday of a lifetime and you decide to go to New Zealand. You're going to fly to New Zealand. And you get on the plane and you say, I'm flying to New Zealand. But, but you're not, are you? You're, you're in the plane, but actually you're not flying. I mean, back there in uh, 38D, where you're sitting, it's not like you're sitting there with everyone else getting the plane going up and down, is it? Or you're pedaling. They don't give you any controls. Sometimes you'd like to have your own controls, but actually everyone else on the plane is glad you're not. You're not even deciding what direction it is. In fact, if you decide to go for a pee at the toilets at the back of the plane, you're going away from New Zealand while everyone else is going towards it. <laughs> you are flying to New Zealand in the plane, but you're doing nothing. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you sit here and going, I want to go to France. You're going to end up in New Zealand, yeah? It doesn't matter whether you decide that, well, I'd like to get out over the Atlantic. They're not going to let you. You've also gone the wrong way, haven't you? Anyway, do you get the point? You go to New Zealand because you're in the plane, and the plane is going to New Zealand. The Bible says that Christians, it describes us as being in Christ. In Christ. So, so if I illustrate it to you like this, I've, this is what you and I are like, really. This is the outside of our insides. We've just sung this a couple of times. We are people who have sinned. And we don't deserve any of the good things God promises. We don't deserve our prayers answered. We don't deserve his unending blessing. We don't deserve to live forever. We don't deserve his unfailing love. Because we say, shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your rules. But, but the Bible says that we are in Christ. So, so Jesus took our sin in himself when he died at the cross and now if I'm in Christ my sinful self is clothed in Jesus' perfect life so my prayers are answered verse 2 always God gives me what's best for me but because I come to him in Jesus in his precious son in fact we can go through all those verses again uh, because we have every spiritual blessing in Jesus that, that's what Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, let me, let me read that verse to you. Paul writes to the church and says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
So I come to my Father in heaven because he is Jesus' Father in heaven. When Jesus returns to judge the world, the Bible tells me that I will have a crown and I will rule over the world with Jesus because he will rule over the world. We're part of his royal family in Christ. Uh, we know that he has defeated our sin, but because when we, we trust in him, well, now God sees his perfect life, not my sinful life. He took my sinful life on the cross, so now I am forgiven in Christ. We know that I enjoy God's presence now, not because I deserve to be in God's presence, but because I'm in Christ and God pours his Holy Spirit into my heart. And one day I will enjoy his presence forever, not because I deserve to be, but because I'm clothed with Jesus. And therefore I can go to the presence of God forever in heaven. Now again, if this is your first Sunday here at CEC, this might frankly be a bit overwhelming. This is quite a lot of news, isn't it? But can I just ask you, can you see that this is very good news? Because it means that we have a perfect relationship with God if we follow Jesus Christ. Not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who he is and what he's done. And that relationship can't be taken away from us. Even if I, if I fail to live for him for a few days, even if I decide that I want to go my own way for a while, even when I make a mess of loving him and loving one another, well, I'm still in Christ. And he still loves me and brings me back to himself. You see, this is extraordinarily good news. It means my future is secure forever with Jesus. In a perfect world that Jesus promises. And he can promise that world because of the second thing we see. It's the end of enemies. You've got the conquering king and the end of enemies. Just, just look briefly at the end of this psalm with me. Look at verse 8. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. Did you see how we're looking to the future now? Verses 2 to 7 was all about what God has done for the king. But now... The king's subjects are saying, this is what will happen in the future. And they know, because of what David has done in the past, that you will keep on winning, King David. You will defeat all your enemies, because the Lord is on your side. And when God rids the world of his enemies, it's not really a battle. It's more like instant and total victory, to total destruction. That's what's pictured in verse 9. Did you see the, the theme of verse 9? It's fire, again and again, fire. Blazing fire. Anger you and I have when, when we get all hot and bothered and shout at people because basically we don't get our own way. Uh, people are going to have that. All through the summer on a special place they call the A303 and the M5, reserved for anger in the summer. That's, but God's anger is not like our anger. God's anger is totally different. It's his totally pure, right anger against all that is wrong in his world. His right anger against all that's evil and all that's selfish, against all the pain and all the suffering. Maybe you felt a little bit of that this morning when you woke up and heard that in El Paso, Texas, 20 people had been shot as they went about their shopping. 
If you felt a little bit angry about that, or when you hear about a, a, a child who's been treated badly, or when you see the, the children uh, with the blood pouring down their heads from the, the photos taken in the war-torn areas of the Middle East, if you feel a bit sad and angry then, well, that's a bit like God's anger against all that is wrong in the world. And verse 10 tells us that when God gets rid of all the evil in the world, there'll be no more left forever. There'll be no son of sin. There'll be no sin too. There'll be no Satan's return or the revenge of Satan. And on the day that the Lord gets rid of all the things that are wrong in our world, they'll be gone forever. The Bible says that that day happens when Jesus returns to judge. He is the king who will finally get rid of all that is wrong with our world. Now, why is the world like this? Well, the Bible tells us it's like this because of the way we are. You see, all that's wrong in my life comes out of, of me, out of my heart, out of the way that I want to live, the way we want to get what we want when we want, the way we stand against God and his loving rule. And that's ridiculous. Have a look at verse 11. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. No one can stand when Jesus comes to, to judge the world. No one will be able to take him on. I mean, do you really think that anyone's got any hope in a contest against God? Everyone here who's not on God's side is pictured turning and running away as soon as he turns up. Now, this is very good news if you're one of God's people, if you're in Christ, if he's your king. But because when he comes to get rid of all the things that are wrong with the world, you will see face to face the one you've always known has unfailing love for you. And all the problems and pain of your life will be gone forever. And you'll be in his perfect world with him. I guess we'll sing something like, the last verse, verse 13 of our psalm. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. Whatever you're experiencing in life at the moment, if you're in Christ, you are on the winning side. And so rejoice in your king. Wouldn't that be a, a great way maybe to start each day? So often we start each day, we wake up and all the problems and the difficulties crowd in, all the holiday planning, all the things we've got to do, all the hospital appointments we've got to get to. Wouldn't it be great just to be able to, at that stage, press pause in our brain and think, but I'm on the winning side. I'm in Christ, in Jesus. And I've got a Father who loves me in heaven. And I've got a, a God of unfailing love and he'll get me through whatever today brings. And do you know what? He's coming back and he's going to take me to a perfect world to be with him forever. And it's certain, not because of who I am or, or what I've done, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. Wouldn't that be a great way to start the day? Just remembering that? But, but you see, that day when Jesus comes to get rid of all the enemies, it's very bad news if Jesus is not your king. In fact, there's only one hope to make it through facing the coming anger of God. And that's to be in Christ. To let him take that anger for you on the cross. And if you'll come back next week, we're going to read the next psalm. A psalm 
where we see God's king abandoned by God, not, not knowing why he is suffering. And we're going to see that that psalm teaches us that God's king, Jesus, has taken God's anger for us, that we can know his unfailing love. What's the message of Psalm 21? Well, the message of Psalm 21 is if you're in Christ, you're on the winning side. You have a conquering kin, and you look forward to the day when all enemies will be ended forever. So rejoice in him. Rejoice in him today. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for King Jesus. We praise you that he is the conquering king, that at the cross he defeated death and the devil and defeated our sin. And if we're in Christ, we know that we can come to you as our loving Father anytime, anywhere. You always give us what's best for us, that, that we know forgiveness forever and one day we'll be in a perfect new world with you. Please help us to rejoice in that today as we look forward to that day when you will defeat and rid the world of all your enemies. And we pray it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen.